Good evening, you. How are you doing? Welcome to uh, Tuesday's Richie Allen Show, the 17th of October, 2023. It's five o'clock in Salford. My name is Richie Allen. I'm looking forward to chatting with you over the course of the next two hours. It shouldn't be dull. It won't be dull, I tell you. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Fantastic. Later on, there might very well be a bit of time for you and I to talk on the telephone. That's all working again. Thank heavens for that. So keep that in mind. Skypes and WhatsApps and telephones. Make a bit of time later on for a conversation. You and me, a bit of a chinwag over a cup of tea, what you reckon? Even though I've never drunk tea in my life, so I haven't, be jeepers. Before that, there's quite a few things to talk about. A little bit of Israel-Palestine. Not an awful lot, but a little bit. It's interesting. And then we'll talk a little bit about artificial intelligence in shops. In shops, because there's a story developing out of Ireland. And we'll talk about climate protests and stuff like that as well. But anything you'd like me to talk about, you can let me know via the website richieallen.co.uk or you can download the app and send a message direct to the studio. The app is very good. At least that's what I think. So you can do it that way too. How about that? Marvellous, actually. We love an old theme tune here at BBG Tower, so we do. Good for myself, decent Tuesday. Not too bad at all. Had a bit of paperwork to do. Hate paperwork. Don't know about you, hate it. And today, I couldn't Tom Sawyer anyone into doing it for me. Tom Sawyer. Remember that in Tom Sawyer, when he managed to convince everybody that whitewashing the fence was a really enjoyable thing to do, to get out of doing it? I just couldn't find anyone to do me old paperwork, so I did it myself is what I did. I'm on Twitter too, it's BBG Richie on Twitter, but I don't manage to look at it very often because I've got too many screens here in studio. But I am on Twitter, BBG Richie. Give me a follow, there is no T in Richie. But then you know that, don't you? I'm thinking about having a new jingle made and declaring Tuesday to be thicko, thicko Tuesday. I don't have a lisp. I'm not saying thicko. I'm saying thicko Tuesday because there's some beauties around today. Yeah, IQs dropped sharply overnight for, for thicko Tuesday. I don't know if you've been reading the mail online. What's that? You're not a right wing. Listen, there's no such thing as right wing or left wing. I read all the newspapers. A woman... This is true. I had to treble check this. Four newspapers are running this story today. A woman in Yorkshire has lashed out, calling it very poor taste. Paragliders flying over Doncaster because they made it. They made her think that uh, she was being invaded by by Hamas. Yeah. Now, according to the Doncaster Free Press, a woman who hasn't been named, who lives in Armthorpe, got a scare when hobby enthusiasts flew above her. They flew over on paragliders, and she wrote on social media, whoever thought it was funny to parasail over the village, it was an extremely poor taste. Wait for it. Take your twisted hatred. (laughs) Take your twisted hatred somewhere else. (laughs) 
We got a live one here. They live amongst us, you see. This is the issue. Every time you every time you get the notion that it's going to be okay, people are waking up. Remember that Yorkshire woman who thought she was being invaded by Hamas? There were two parachutes, she said. This is a direct quote. With engines like Hamas used at that festival, so it gave me a fright. Yeah, there must be some range on the paragliders these days that you can get from Gaza over Doncaster in Yorkshire. Madness. And then you had Richard Maidley on Good Morning Britain this morning, Thicko Tuesdays. Now, Leila Moran is a British-Palestinian MP, the first ever. Her family would be proud, but they're on the missing list, apparently. Her home in Gaza was hit by airstrikes, and God love her, she doesn't know what has become of them. So, with all of that stress on your shoulders, she's a Liberal Democrat MP, British-Palestinian, first of her kind, first of her name, right, um, and doesn't know where her family is. So, with all of that stress on your shoulders, the best possible place to be today was on Good Morning Britain with Richard Maidley. You will hear Leila talk a little bit about the situation, and then Richard joins in. Did you have any indication of what was going to happen? Hang on! Let's try that again. <laughs> I'm supposed to be playing Layla. Here's Layla. I've been getting, trying to get updates. Their phone batteries were running out. What I know is that there is no food. There is no water. They have more and more people coming to the church because you seek sanctuary in a church. That's, that's what you do. And, you know, to the why don't they just move? Because I'm thinking to myself, why, when you know that something's coming, why don't you move? Mm. And then to hear, well, actually... They have nowhere to go to. And remember, there's no way to communicate with other people in, in Southern Gaza. So what are you meant to because do? You haven't got a car. There's no, there's no phone battery. Mm. So you can't get in a car. They're too frail anyway, one of them. Um, and they're there as, as a family unit. So I'm hearing what's happening from them through uh, one of the sisters who is the cousin of my mother. So my, my immediate family is in the West Bank. They're in Jerusalem, Ramallah and, and Jericho. Thank goodness so far they are very scared about what comes next and they're fine but this extent this pocket of the extended family we are desperately desperately worried about so it's a difficult situation for Leila Moran upon hearing that phone batteries dead I, I heard this morning some Palestinians are charging their phones from car batteries this is pretty tough on anybody what does Richard say to your family connections in Gaza uh, did, did you have any indication of what was going to happen uh, ten days ago, two weeks ago. Is there any, any word on the street? In not, not. What was that? Did you have any indication of what was going to happen uh, ten days ago, two weeks ago? <laughs> Fantastic. Did you have any indication before Hamas? Did you have advanced warnings, says Richard Maidley? The boss of ITV must have an alarm in his or her office. I did say or her. That will go something like this whenever Maidley drops something did like this. Did you have any indication of what was going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, Richard Maidley. I've been laughing at that all day long. And the amazing thing is, the astonishing thing about it is, people have been trying to get him fired. What's wrong with him? What the absolute F? WTF? Give him a knighthood. 
Richard Madeley went to the Gareth Keenan School for Detectives. Watch the office, you'll understand what I mean. Who drew the picture? It was Finchie. Finchie drew the picture. But Gareth Keenan investigates, went, 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 um, went to look into it. Richard Madeley, did, any, did you or your family have advanced knowledge of the... I mean, nothing beats that, does it? Did you, advance, did you have advanced knowledge, Layla? You did, you snaky little fecker, didn't you? Yeah, get him fired. If I was Musk, by the way, I mentioned this on social media today, I'd ban everybody for life, every Twitter account holder who calls for somebody to lose their job because of something somebody says or because of some opinion or some view they express, I would delete those people forever. I really would. I would give advance warning, obviously. I would say, listen, now that I've taken over Twitter, from now on, if any of you cowardly little bastards attempt to troll somebody and enact a pile-in on somebody or initiate a pile-in on somebody, right, to try and get them fired, you'll be deleted forever, is what I would do. Yeah. I know you're going to say, well, you can't be a free speech absolutist. Yes, you can. You can. You can. There is free speech and free speech. Trying to get somebody fired because of an opinion and using Twitter, if I owned it, my medium to do it, I wouldn't have it. They'd all be banned. It's being announced today. It has been announced today. 3,000 people have been killed in the Gaza Strip since the 7th of October, as according to the Palestinian Health Ministry. Um, they say that 12,500 people have been injured 3,000 dead, 12,500 injured Gaza Strip and 61 Palestinians have now been killed in the separate West Bank with over 1,250 injured. Now the Israeli government says no humanitarian crisis. That's what they're saying. I swear to God and to his son Jesus. This afternoon, the various Israeli ministries are saying there's no humanitarian humanitarian crisis at all in Gaza. We don't know what you're talking about, right? Wow. Some laugh on Sky News this morning. The Conservative Party and the Labour Party, well, they've had their instructions. Andrew Mitchell, Tory Party MP, he works at the Foreign Office. Kay Burley with the question, Guanke. So just to be clear, is there a humanitarian crisis in Gaza? Or is there? Or not, as far as the British government is concerned. Well, there is a looming uh, humanitarian crisis. Which, a looming one. Which is why we're all so focused on trying to do everything we can to relieve it. What's the difference between looming and it already being there, given two and a half thousand Palestinians or thereabouts have already died? Uh, they are lacking in water and, and any basic human supplies. Yeah, it sounds like a humanitarian crisis to me, Andrew. Well, the, the, Israel went to some lengths yesterday to make sure that the water supply was uh, restored. and it's Restored? It had been cut off. Give them the Nobel Prize for Peace. Give them the Nobel Peace Prize, the Israelis, to turn back on the water for a few minutes. Yes, but, but, but that obviously helps uh, very significantly. But it's important to note, too, that the pipes supplying the... Wait for this. Wait for this. No challenge coming. Wait. Can you imagine me now? If I'm interviewing him, wait, wait till you hear what he says. Water have been done. Let me just go back just a little bit. This is an absolutely hilarious claim. Note too that the pipes... The pipes? ...supplying the water have been dug up by Hamas and other terrorists and used as weaponry against Israel. So wow. So Hamas and other terrorists have dug up the pipes supplying the water and have used them as weapons against Israel. 
There is absolutely no evidence to support this. Does Kay jump in? So I think I think that uh, uh, it was uh, the right thing to do. And Fuck Israel no, Kay doesn't jump in. With having taken that humanitarian action. Wow, Kay doesn't jump in and challenge that at all. Then a few minutes later, she had John Healy. John Healy is the Labour, he's Labour Party's Shadow Defence Secretary. I wonder will he say exactly what um, Andrew Mitchell said when it comes to the humanitarian crisis, I wonder. I wonder what the Shadow Defence Secretary John Healy thinks about that. He's with us now. Um, is there a humanitarian crisis in Gaza at, John? at the moment, yes or no? There's certainly the risk of a looming humanitarian Looming. Crisis. He got the same brief that, or the same briefing that Andrew Mitchell received. There's a looming crisis. This is the opposition, Labour Party. Crisis. Um, that's why we've been alongside a range of other international voices and the UK government. I'd hate to see a real crisis, would you? Urging Israel to make sure that uh, basic supplies of water and electricity are restored, that humanitarian aid gets in, that civilians are protected, and that all leaders act in line with humanitarian law and do whatever is required and take every precaution they so, can. So mealy-mouthed bollocks from the Labour shadow minister on Kay Burley's programme this morning. No humanitarian crisis. There's a looming one. Thousands dead. Hospitals running out of fuel. The oncology department, the only one they have in Gaza, has basically collapsed. Nearly a million people displaced. Uh, a thousand children dead at this stage since October 7th, but there's a looming humanitarian crisis, says John Healy. Yeah. Uh, the European view, what is it? Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, has said, I quote, European states are now vulnerable to a return of Islamist terror, says Macron. Sweden's prime minister, this is a time... When we need to call for more security, we cannot be naive. This is because police in Brussels have shot dead a man who killed two Swedish nationals last evening in Brussels. The man was shot in a cafe in a neighbourhood of Brussels, in a suburb of Brussels today. The shooting took place last night, a couple of miles away from the stadium where Belgium was playing Sweden to qualify for the Euro 24 football tournament. And this got an inordinate amount of coverage, didn't it? Why all the coverage? Do you ask yourself that sometimes? Why the extended coverage every news programme in this country today led with the fact that two guys were shot in Brussels? Now, there's two people murdered every 20 minutes in New York City. Uh, crickets about that, right? But why the extended, extensive coverage, whatever you want to call it, of two guys shot in Brussels? Here's the reason, maybe, in my opinion. It could be argued. Fear. This is about creating a constant state of fear in us. Constant state of fear and agitation and dis-ease or disease. I really believe this. Julia Hartley Brewer speaking to British Army officer Colonel Richard Kemp about Islamist terror. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Um, how fearful are you that we are going to be importing more terror attacks, whether supporters of ISIS have... I want to stop there and I'm going to play the question again. It sounds... This all sounds very organic. Brewer is asking the former army colonel, the former army officer, Brewer is saying, you know, how fearful are you, you know, about the return of Islamist terror? I would wager my last truppany bit, my last 
threepenny bit that Kemp has been given in advance. He's been given in advance the questions Brewer is going to ask him. This is programming and propaganda. This is not journalism. Again, this is about creating a sense of panic, a constant feeling of agitation and unease and disease in the larger population. All these manufactured crises, all of them, are meant to create tension in people. Some people will be aware of it, others won't, right? Have a listen to this again from the start. British Army Colonel retired. Um, how fearful are you that we are going to be importing more terror attacks, whether supporters of ISIS, Hamas or whoever, um, to our shores here in the UK? What can we do about it? That's not a genuinely journalistic question. In my opinion, I can't prove that, of course, I have no evidence of it, but that's not genuine journalism. You know, how would I phrase it? I, so imagine I'm presenting the programme and this guy Richard Kemp is brought on and I'm told he's a former army colonel and he's a bit of a fear monger. How would I approach him? I suppose the first thing I would do is say to him, I understand my producers have told me that you're worried about Islamist terrorism arriving on the shores of the UK based on Hamas and, and Israel. Have you any evidence to support that? Why are you saying that now? You know, Israel has been bombing Gaza back to the Stone Age for decades. We haven't seen any increase or uptick in Islamist terror. So where are you getting this bollocks from? I wouldn't say bollocks, obviously. But this is a setup, right? What does he say? Are you worried? Are you fearful? Of course he is. We've already got them. We, we've seen them in action. We've seen them carry out attacks in Manchester and in London and elsewhere. Uh, Very strange attacks, though. Over a number of years now. They're, they're there. Many, many supporters of Islamic Jihad are present in the UK. And it's this sort of operation that Israel has been forced to do because of it, the barbaric attacks on its population. It's this sort of operation that inspires them further. We saw what during the heyday of the Islamic State when they were carrying out similarly depraved acts. We saw that that garnered support among certain sections of the jihadist or the Islamic uh, community. Not You see what they're trying to do? They're trying to link Hamas, which was elected in Gaza back in 2006. I'm no supporter of it, by the way. Obviously not. They're trying to equate Hamas with Islamic State. Of course, there's a great irony here. And that is that Islamic State was created, was funded, was emboldened, right, was set to burn, to rape, to pillage, and to do the most disgusting things that humans have ever done to one another. It was set to do all of this by the intelligence agencies of the West, and we know this to be a fact. So there's a great irony here. Great irony. Oh, we see what Hamas did to the Israelis. Terrible, I agree to the Israeli civilians murdered by Hamas, I, I would never excuse it, or engage in what aboutery. So they're trying to say, oh, this is like ISIS, so this is going to inspire attacks in, the, in, in this country. Yeah, be afraid. Obviously all of them, but, but a number of them, yeah. with, who were inspired and motivated. We've seen, we've seen people, not I don't know about in the UK, but in the US, we've seen university professors, even university professors, I think at Cornell University, saying how inspired and encouraged they were by yeah. the Hamas attacks on Israeli civilians. This is, this is a thickness, and it, it infects all of our countries. And I think as this war progresses, I would imagine that the potential for terrorist attacks in our countries will increase. And it's why Israel has to 
deal with it as decisively and as quickly as they possibly can. So it's propaganda as well. You know, we better allow Israel to do whatever Israel needs to do in Gaza because the sooner Israel gets done with killing most of the people in Gaza, we can rest easy and not worry too much about the exporting of Islamic terror over here. Now, Julia Hartley Brewer, as you will probably know, because we take the piss out of her on this programme, can normally, normally you can't get her to shut up. Nothing to say, because that's the charade. That's not an interview. He concludes... They're not, they're not just fighting for Israel. They're fighting for all of us. They're fighting this sickness of Islamic Jihad, which, which has infected the whole world, but particularly in this region. Listen to this again now. What Israel is engaging in today, in, in, in October the 17th, on October 17th, 2023, is ethnic cleansing and crimes against humanity. You remember Amnesty International last year, major report, the first of its kind, Israel engages in crimes against humanity. It's doing it today, murdering children and women indiscriminately. That's what Israel does. Israel is as Israel does. And he reckons, does this guy Kemp, the former colonel, Israel is a really, really good friend to have because it's doing it for us. They're not, they're not just fighting for Israel. They're fighting for all of us. They're fighting this sickness of Islamic Jihad, which which has infected the whole world, but particularly in this region. Wow. I'll be reading your comments out in a few minutes. A little bit later on, there should be time to take some phone calls. I look forward to that. This is the Richie Allen Show, your Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk. Fab Radio 2 in Manchester, the TuneIn app, and of course my own app. Please download it, please. Winter's on its way, and so are colds, flu, and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. Ask not what the BBG can do for you, but what you can do for the BBG. Support The Richie Allen Show now at richieallen.co.uk. I very rarely do this, and I don't think I've done it many times over the years, and this is not exactly what you might call soothsaying. I am no soothsayer, no soothsayer I, but I wouldn't be surprised if something happens in a major European city. Something major between now and Christmas. I wouldn't be surprised with everything that's been going on, with the fear being ramped up, with the excuses being rolled out by the likes of Kemp and pretty much every politician in this country, right? Every elected MP, the excuses being put forward for the slaughter of the Palestinians in in Gaza. I wouldn't be surprised to reinforce all of that and to reinforce in the minds of the population that they're at war with Islamic Jihad or Islamist Jihad, that there's a major, major event in a major European city. And I wonder, I mean, traditionally it's Germany, France or the UK, traditionally, isn't it? I wonder, could it be Dublin next time? We've seen Stockholm previously, we've seen Oslo. I wonder, is Dublin maybe next for a major, for a major event with multiple fatalities to be blamed on Islamist jihad or Islamic jihad. I don't know. I don't normally get involved in that sort of talk because I don't like fear-mongering. I'm a genuinely optimistic guy, but I wonder if it's a possibility. I'm sure you let me know. To your comments then, uh, Paulie says, 
the woman going on about the paragliders in Yorkshire, it used to be that everyone's a victim was a thing, but now it appears this has become everyone is a triggeree. You'd think October was a bit early for snowflakery, eh? But that's how that's how that's how incredibly incredibly successful the programming is that a woman in Yorkshire um sees a couple of paragliders in the air and immediately thinks that Yorkshire is being invaded by Hamas. Not Lancashire. Not Lancashire because um, we have a better cricket team this side of the Pennines, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, she looks up and sees Hamas and actually tweets about it, saying that it's outrageous. Crazy stuff. Hi to Brian. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for downloading the app. I appreciate that. Uh, David says, hi, David. Don't knock Maidley. He's a triumph of care in the community. I'm not knocking him. I'd keep him on the telly forever and a day. Mike says, I can't read that out, Mike, because I have no idea whether it's true or not. Gaz says, I don't know what's really going on in Gaza, but it seems to me to be the next distraction. Well, it might be distracting from other things, no doubt. But it's real, what's happening in Gaza. The Israelis murdered on the first day on the Saturday, last Saturday week, were real people. Real people get killed, in my opinion. And lots of them get killed. And it's terrible. Brendan says, absolutely, free speech for all, regardless of whether you agree or not with the opinion. Hi, Patricia. Nothing new, she says. The Zionist-controlled media has never reported the truth about Israel and Palestine. Patricia is referencing, of course, the failure of the media to take on the politicians who say a humanitarian crisis is looming when it has been a humanitarian crisis now for a week. Thank you, Ian, who says GB News is by far the worst pro-Israel and pro-war channel of all the MSM. BBC, for all its faults, is the most balanced of the news channels. Thank you very much. And hi to Farmer James. You're going to have to give me a few minutes to read that out, pal, because it's very long. I'll get to it during a song, maybe. Uh, you can leave a message via the app. You can reach out to me via richieallen.co.uk. I want to ask you a couple of questions in a moment. I've been thinking about these things. I want to ask you, who are these people? Who are they? Who's B.B. Netanyahu? Not rhetorical question now. Who's Mahmoud Abbas? Who's Rishi Sunak? Who is Keir Starmer? Leo Varadkar, Micheál Martin. Who are these people? I want to talk about that in a minute. I don't have any answers, but maybe you will. It's 26 minutes past the hour. It's time for some In Excess. We don't often hear from In Excess on this programme. My name is Richie Allen. This is The Richie Allen Show. Live from Salford. It's always live. The programme archived on Podomatic.com. And it's on iTunes, Spotify, and every other place you can get a podcast these days. You want my kind. 29 minutes past the hour in excess and need you tonight. I'm going to say 1987. I'm going to say probably 88. Uh, Colin asks, what is this made up word Islamist? Every word is made up, Colin. That's a bit silly. Uh, it comes from Islamism. Islamism, which isn't anything to do with religion or the Islamic faith. It's a political ideology. So they've begun to use the term Islamist and it's made it into the dictionary just like many other words make it into the dictionary when people use them frequently in society. Hi to Jilly who says, so if that big event of terror does arrive, could it be the cue for all the UN trained soldiers currently residing in most hotels around the country to pop up and marshal law us all? Jilly, I'm going to take issue with that. 
while I am absolutely convinced you are right that the Ireland particularly, a lot of hotels around Ireland full with young men, with young men, right? We we know this to be true, um, from countries that maybe they're that are safe, young men, some of whom arrived and don't have any documentation, and we know there's some very good reasons to be worried about this, but I don't imagine there is any evidence that they've been trained by the UN, right? If there is some, please share it with me. I'll be glad to disseminate it. Faisal says, yeah, these bloody jihadists getting upset about getting their country stolen or bombed or their governments overthrown. What's the matter with them? Touché. Jenny says, Hamas destroying their own water supply is about as believable as Russia blowing up their own gas pipeline and bridge. It's a good good shout that, uh, Jenny. Donald says it's lashing it down today in Ireland, lashing it down. He says there is a weather warning in Ireland until, I can't read that, what's that? Until one o'clock tomorrow. It's the most important news of the day. That's the most important news of the day. It's been lashing it down in Ireland. You're born and bred in Glasgow and you've noticed the weather changing. The rain seems to be getting heavier. Sometimes you get up in the morning and there's bucket in the it. Climate change is the answer, Donald, but then I didn't need to tell you that. Good evening to Diane from a wet and windy rural Cork. Hi to Glen. I wanted to talk to you about this briefly. Who are these people? We lament you and I, and I'm sure when you're on, when you're on reconnaissance, I, I'm sure when you're out there meeting people, maybe stand in the park, maybe protest marches, maybe you will have conversations with people, and you will lament the fact that for many people it can stare them in the face the tyranny. And yet they are seemingly oblivious to it. So when I asked you who's Bibi, Netanyahu, uh, who's Joe Biden, who are these people, I wasn't looking for a biography because I can quite easily find out who they are, at least what Wikipedia says. You know, in, in terms of Netanyahu, when he served in the IDF, his education, his career in business, in politics, the Wikipedia stuff, same for Mahmoud Abbas, same for Sunak, Right, the UK Prime Minister, billionaire wife, worked for Goldman Sachs before that. Keir Starmer, former barrister, director of public prosecutions. Lots of info on Wikipedia. But I was thinking this morning, and this is entry-level stuff for you, but it's something to discuss with the perplexed, those who really can't see that these are terrible times for freedom, right? I, I, I was thinking this morning, it's, it's safe to say this, even though... I'm usually pretty reluctant to speak for anybody other than myself. But I'm going to have a pop. I'm going to have a punt at this. I think it's reasonably safe to say that here in the UK, most people do not want this country to be sending arms to Saudi Arabia to be used on the people of Yemen. I think that's fair to say. Most people wouldn't agree with it. Maybe most people don't know. But if they did know, they wouldn't agree with it. Most Britons probably do not support sending billions in aid to Ukraine. By aid, we mean weaponry and whatnot. Not our problem, most would say. Why prolong it? And, and these are questions that you and I would ask because I think we're pretty logical people. But these are questions that don't seem to occur to other people. Like, where's the diplomacy? Now, there's a question. There's a question. Why hasn't Rishi Sunak, why hasn't Joe Biden... Why hasn't Ursula von der Leyen gone to meet Vladimir Putin? Trudeau, even. The man who loves a bit of blackface. Why haven't they gone to Moscow, sat down and said, Come on, Vlad, this is madness. 
it it hurts everybody. Tell us what do you really want? Let's find a compromise, not a bit of it. Now, if everything that is presented to us as reality, if in fact it was reality, well then you might that conversation might conclude with Vladimir Putin saying, "I want a withdrawal by United States forces, uh, a one thousand miles away." from the borders of my country, Russia. I want no more planting or supplanting your puppets in Kiev like like your man Zelensky. No more weapons labs for biological weapons in Eastern Europe. Just piss off and we'll all live happily ever after and I'll sell you me natural gas. So that's what you might imagine if the reality we are told is genuine was actually genuine. You would imagine your leaders popping over. Vlad, what's going on? What can we do for you? Let's find a compromise. But not a bit of it. World leaders speak in lockstep using the very same language as we heard earlier on. We had Labour shadow minister. We had a Tory foreign office minister talking using the same language. Reading from the same script. There is a looming crisis in Gaza. Reading from the same script. It's been graphically illustrated this week. Right, Israel has a right to defend herself. Everybody in Parliament, everybody. Israel is right to deny food, water and electricity to Gaza. We stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. What is Israel? Who is Israel? I'll come back to that. And I don't mean when I come back to it that I'll be talking about the history of Israel. Don't panic. I'm not going to do that. I mean, Israel as taking as, taking as any country. Who, who is China? Who is China? You, you, hear, you, you hear these stories, right, on your news bulletin of choice. China believes, or China says, who's China? There's over a billion people living there. We'll come back to that in a minute. So supporting Palestine is anti-Semitic, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's speaking in lockstep. But isn't it fair to assume that the vast majority of people like you and like me, and I include Israelis and Palestinians, by the way, want an end to it immediately and don't want any part of it because it's devastating devastating. Most people are working people or are people in education or are retirees. They don't want any part of it and yet governments do nothing to stop it. Back to Ukraine. Who are these people? Why are they not like us? Don't you wonder when you hear political commentators on news shows? You know, they all sound the same, right? It's like, well, China will most likely support Russia here. What the is that? What's that? China will most likely support Russia. Well, there's a billion people in China, and God forgive me for not looking this up, but there's probably somewhere between two and three hundred million people in Russia, or more. You'll hear things like, the US is concerned about statements by Iran. But who, who, who the fuck is Iran? Who is the United States? Who is China? Who is Russia? When you put it as simplistically as that, it makes sense, doesn't it? Who is Iran? Who's the US? Who? Who are these people? Now what they really mean is the governments of these nations, not the people, obviously, right? And the governments are not really in charge. We know this. This is entry-level stuff. Why are they not getting together in a room if they're really running the show? These are the questions that you wish the perplexed would ask themselves. Why are our leaders not getting together in a room with the other leaders and having a drop of whiskey or vino tinto and saying, you know what, lads, there's enough for every and lassies, there's enough for everybody. There's enough for everybody. 
You know, there's enough for everyone on the planet to have a home, to have a bit of land, to have a good life, to be able to travel, to just enjoy the 70 plus years, if we're lucky, we have on this earth. What the fuck like? Right? right? It doesn't occur to people, does it? The Chinese are saying, who, who, who is saying? None of this stuff is in their manifestos. I guarantee you, if you take the manifestos of political parties from India, from Sri Lanka, from Brazil, the United States, from Ireland, they're all the same. Every single one of them. I've done this before. Better jobs, more sustainable jobs, better paying jobs, more houses, better schools, and we'll improve the health service every single time. No mention in any of their manifestos that they will interfere in the politics of other nation states. No mention that they'll arm militias. No mention that they will impose sanctions on some of the poorest countries in the world. Why does this not occur to people all over the world? Why not? Why doesn't it occur to them? Jesus, we're involved in a big standoff in the Middle East. What's going on? But they said better houses. Better education. Why doesn't it occur to people? Iran. Iran is doing this, but there's nearly 88 million people in Iran. I doubt many of them hate Israel or the United States. The majority of people in Iran want to raise a family and put food on the table. But this doesn't occur to people. How many people are on planet Earth? Nearly 7 billion. How many people work in governments? Well, I don't know. There's 200... How many countries are there in the world? 220-something, is there? How many countries in the world? There are 195 countries in the world today. Now, if you multiply 195 by... Right, there's 600 MPs in the UK. Now, there are more senators and more congressmen and women in America. But there's just over 600 MPs. So let's take the UK as the average, even though it isn't. Many countries around the world will have far, far fewer MPs than the UK. But let's multiply 600 by 195. Now, I'm not Rachel Riley from Countdown. I'm not a scumbag. Um, So let me try and do that. 195 times, let's say, 603. And that gives you... Uh, 117,585. So working in parliaments around the world, it's not unreasonable to imagine that there are 117,585 members of parliament. Not all of them will be in government. There's nearly 7 billion people on planet Earth. Do you see the point I'm making? Do you get the point? I'm over-egging the pudding, right? But you understand that point. Why doesn't it and will it ever occur to people that these people are not really running the show. And if they're not running the show, who is running the show? What are their names? And what exactly are they doing the things they are doing for? What is the purpose of the fear, the murder, the death, the arms trading, the false flag events, the COVID scams, the lockdowns? Where is it all going, basically? It is uh, 19 minutes to the top of the hour. We'll finish with Israel and Palestine with an interesting conversation about perception, which came up on the Piers Morgan Talk TV programme. He had a guy called Mohammed Hijab on. He's an Oxford graduate, a public speaker. He's got a YouTube channel with a huge following. Now, he, Morgan, had the Israeli ambassador on uh, Chippy Hotzavelli, I think her name is. And of course, Morgan capitulated to her. Didn't ask her a single question of any 
any meaningful questions anyway. So this is interesting. So this guy is on, his name is Mohammed Hijab, and he's discussing with Piers Morgan here, how does one come to trust an image or a clip if it is presented to the public by a government or by the news media? How do we know if it is trustworthy or not? And this is kind of interesting. I mean, when people are taking grandmothers yeah. and executing them, yeah. kidnapping young children, yeah. when they're, when they're sh killing babies in their cribs, we can agree that's war crime, right? OK, babies... Can we? Surely, of course, 100%. Right. But babies in the crib... Uh, sorry, what was the evidence for that? You don't believe that happened? Uh, the, sorry, CNN, mm. the White House, mm. uh, Sky News, which you work for, all say... I don't work for Sky News. Well, you, you're, you're, you're thinking... I did work at CNN. I saw, sure, one, sure. I saw one reporter who retracted it because she wasn't sure about the source. It's then, unconfirmed by the White House. But then the Daily Telegraph and the Jerusalem Post and other sources then did publish pictures. CNN, which indisputably showed babies have been killed. No, it showed one baby who's, who's been charred and that, video, that picture has been put up on Twitter and has been refuted by uh, many people saying that it's actually AI. More no, no, that, that's completely untrue. That is, that no, is no, true. What's your source? Mohammed, Mohammed, What's your source? It, there's been a thorough investigation into the so, claim that was put up there by some rogue person on Twitter that it was AI. It has been completely disproven. Okay, let me that ask That picture, question. which was published What's on the source? Telegraph, What's is, your a, source? is a genuine, legitimate picture. What is your source? Are you seriously arguing that yes, babies yes. weren't killed? No, I didn't say that. Well, what not, are you saying? I, I'm saying, give me a source. Yeah. You know full well you've been fired from the Daily Mirror for fake images. Mm. So you know full well about the... the I didn't accept they were fake. Exactly. The UK government did. Mm. Yeah, they did. Uh-huh. Because so, the now, UK government, just to be clear... Sure, sure. ..had waged, in my view, an illegal war in Iraq... So you're allowed to go against the government and I'm not allowed to go against the Israeli government? Of course you're allowed to. So tell me now, what's the source? You, you seem to be making a lot of presumptions about me, Mohammed. Yes, yeah, I was you had the, softball questions I was the editor. ambassador of a No, friend. they weren't. I put all the questions to the ambassador. I was editor of the Daily Mirror when we opposed the Iraq war... Sure. ..on the grounds that I believed it was an illegal war. Yeah. I still believe that to this day. I think Good. it stained this country. Fantastic. I don't think you even knew that. I did know that. Right. But I'm not, that's not the point I was making. Mm. I was making the point that if you're allowed to go against a government mm. in their classification of a, an image, mm. then if you have pro-Palestinian uh, activists who are saying, actually, we need to see a source, shouldn't they be entitled to the that? The Daily Telegraph published on page three... Should they be entitled to that, yes you're or talking no? about The Daily Telegraph they that, yes said no? they had independently verified they be the picture. Morgan is so thin-skinned. The counter-argument to Mohammed Hijab was basically to say, well, by your logic, we shouldn't trust some of the images coming out of Gaza when people are holding babies. Now, don't shout at me, dearest listener. I'm not saying that's my point of view. I'm saying that's the point I would have put to him. How do you know what to trust? Because even, even we've seen this over the years, even actors who are on the right side of history, who have righteousness on their side, are not above... Um, releasing images or audio or or even video that has been tampered with or exaggerated in order to advance their cause. Even the good guys have done it. This is the point I would have made to Hijab, but he didn't. It's quarter to the top of the hour. This is the Richie Allen Show for Tuesday, the 17th of October, 2023. Thank you very much for your messages. Lots of them coming in. Let me go back to the website. Very good. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jilly says, I take your point, Richie. Thank you, Jilly. I can't remember now, Jilly. Uh, Wayne says, I wouldn't rule out a terrorist attack staged or otherwise. 
he says, though you're absolutely correct regarding the psychological manipulation, fear being a major part of such. Uh, he says, thank you for that. Yeah, um, Wayne says, I'm correct. I'm, I'm, I'm made up. Thank you, Wayne. Al says, I would agree with you, Richie. A false flag event is highly likely to manufacture public consent to enter into another Middle East war. Mm. Back to um, the app. Isabel says, China says, or Russia says, is the equivalent of writing our source told us. As we see so much in all of these Z-list celebrity magazines, it is such a clever way to avoid naming anyone and therefore avoid the transparency rule. Yeah, but that's not quite the point. No, it's basically to write off an entire country with a billion people um, and to assign a political point of view or a political policy or a geopolitical stance to assign it to an entire nation. That's what they do when they say Iran says or China says or Sweden says. It's to to link a geopolitical policy with an entire nation of people, which is ridiculous for the reasons I gave earlier on. People don't sign up for this shit when they go to the ballot boxes in whichever country they go to the ballot box. It's the furthest thing from their mind. They're thinking about themselves, aren't they? They're thinking about their families. They're thinking about their bottom line. I'm not saying that people are selfish. It's not selfishness looking after your family. It's what you got to do. And that's what people who believe in the political system, it's what they do. They look at who is most likely to have less of an impact on their finances. I don't think that's unfair. I, I haven't voted in an election, in a general election for 21 years now. 2002 it was, in Ireland, the Irish general election. I voted on the left, of course. It was the last time I did it because I saw through it. I, I could see it clearly. It was the final year of my working in the media in Ireland before I left Ireland. I could see clearly what was going on with politics and with the media. And I thought, well, this is ridiculous. And um, but, but, but for those who haven't seen through it, they pick a party who they think will do them less harm. And for many, of course, it's not just that. It's, well, my family has voted for the Labour Party or it has voted for Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael or in the UK, my party has voted the Liberal Democrats all of our lives and we always will. That's it. That's how, that's, that's about the, that's a bit, that, that, that is how shallow it is really. You know, who's going to do me less harm? And this is the party I've supported my entire life. I can't change now. And, and somehow there's a block in there. There's a roadblock, a mental roadblock. Not to be able to see. They said they would do all of this. Not only have they not done any of that, but now they're doing things on the international stage that are making life even more difficult for me back home. How can they not make the leap? Because the programming is very sophisticated. Is the reason they can't make the leap, in my opinion. And why a woman sees a pair of paragliders over her home in Doncaster and thinks that the UK has been invaded by Hamas. That's about the size of it. It is coming up for um, 90 seconds to the top. No, it isn't. It's coming up for 11 minutes. I have gone mad. 11 minutes to the top of the hour. Um, no more on Iran-Palestine for the moment. You might want to say something to me about it later on. Let's move on to talk about something completely different. Um, your, your woman is in the news again. And by your woman, we mean Greta Thunberg has been in the news again. <laughs> They sweep their mess under the carpet for our generation to clean up and solve. How dare you? 
You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. People are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. How dare you? Yeah, the little bollocks was arrested in London. Um, she had joined other activists outside the Intercontinental Hotel on Park Lane. I'm not familiar with that, dear listener. Don't have that kind of money. Don't know about you, Park Lane, eh? Uh, oil executives were meeting, of course they were. If you were an oil executive, Park Lane's exactly where you'd be. So they were meeting there. The protesters attempted to block access to the hotel by occupying the area by the entrance. There was a number of them arrested. Fossil Free London posted on Twitter, or X these days, breaking. Greta Thunberg has been arrested. She was photographed being led away, looking rather smug. The Met Police confirmed all of this. Lovely. Now, um, James O'Brien, don't panic. We won't be hearing much from him. He had a 73-year-old granny called Catherine on his programme today. Catherine said she'd rather face jail than have her grandkids face climate collapse. You couldn't make it up. She was arrested when she had been protesting with about 50 other protesters. I did about the action and about... Um, 20, 25 of us were put on remand, which, I mean, it's such a waste of, of space. Well, except, um, except that, that you presumably the court or the, the authorities decided that if they didn't put you, if they didn't lock you up, you'd go out and do another protest. Um, uh, very likely, yes. yes. Um, and and <laughs> in fact, the last, um, the two weeks I did um, back in April was after um, a, sentencing, a sentencing where um, I told the judge that um, I couldn't not go out and protest. He wanted us to say that we weren't going to protest again. Um, And I can't do that. That would be a lie, because with the climate crisis as it is, um, I'm I'm much more scared of the consequences for my grandchildren. I mean, I know you're very conversant with this, as should all of us be. James is very conversant with this. Um, I'm much more scared of that than I am actually of a prison sentence. He's helping her on nicely there, of a prison cell. You're much more scared of climate collapse for the grandkids than a prison cell. I'm I'm using this clip to make a point. Catherine sounds very articulate, doesn't she? She sounds very articulate. Uh, Somebody who's probably reasonably bright is how she sounds, right? But it was very interesting in prison because there were so many women there who should not have been there. I'd say that you might re-offend, Catherine. Um, always, she just told him that. Always a possibility, yes. It's <laughs> always a possibility. Um, I, might, I might let a few of these go. But, you know, all we need is for government to do what it should be doing yeah. and we would not be out there. And the point is, what happened to people like Catherine, who sounds like middle... I hate to say middle class. We said middle income, didn't we? She sounds like somebody who's probably moderately or better than moderately well off. Sounds like somebody who had some form of education. I'm not saying education is anything to to scream about. I'm not saying that, but very articulate. What happened to people like Catherine? What happened to them? What happened to that generation? That Where, at what point did their critical thinking skills desert them? Where they can't see through the most obvious hoax of all the hoaxes that have been foisted upon society in the last 10, 15, 20 years, it's the most obvious one. Does anybody have an answer for that? Do you want to ring me in a few minutes and tell me? What happened to people like her? That, 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 that critical ability to be able to know when somebody was telling you 
a bag of shit, basically. That you knew it was a bag of shit, right? How did it, how did it go from get that bag of shit out of my face to thanks very much, I'll, I'll have that, and, and here's a tip for you while you're at it. At what point did people lose? Was there a moment in time? Was there an event? Do you think in the 80s or the 90s or the 90s, was there a single event? Was 9-11 the event? Was that the one where people lost that ability, that crucial ability to know when somebody was fooling you or conning you? When an articulate, pleasant woman can say, I'm happy to go to prison because it might mean my grandkids won't melt in climate collapse in the future. What happened? It's um, four... It's six minutes even to the top of the year. I can't read my own clock. I don't know what's going on. I don't know about you. This is the Richie Allen Show, Tuesday's edition. And for now, I want to finish with this for now. Dublin Airport has opened the first shop in Ireland, pretty much run by artificial intelligence, with a little help from humans. Here's a reporter from RTE's flagship programme, Morning Ireland Airport, Dublin Airport, first shop, run almost exclusively by artificial intelligence. A new way of shopping has come to Ireland. No tills, no self-checkouts, no queuing to pay. Instead, artificial intelligence does the work. Here you can see a selection of different snacks, drinks, confectionery, and you can pick up whatever you like. There is weight sensors in the shelves, and whatever you pick up, the cameras see, and then as you leave, you get charged for it. Carolina is the host of the Dublin Town To Go store here in Dublin Airport. And she's been explaining to customers how it works. When you walk in, there's a 10 euro holding charge. So holding charge of 10 euro when you walk in. So the minute you walk in, you're charged 10 euro. That's like a, a bail-in. The shop performs a bail-in on you as soon as you walk in. I'm not being a complete prick about this, excuse my terrible language, but, you know, I'm not being disingenuous. So, you walk into this shop in Dublin Airport and a bail-in happens immediately. A tenor is taken out of your phone immediately, out of your bank, which, which now is connected to your phone, right? When you walk in, there's a 10 euro holding charge, so it already takes 10 euro off your card, but you get that back tomorrow. Uh get it back tomorrow. <laughs> And if you pick something up and you place it back to where you picked it up from, it won't charge you for that. These systems do not use facial recognition technology. Not yet, anyway. Rather, the cameras track products, keeping an online record of a customer's basket. For staff, new roles are required, as Terminal Manager Takdir Hussain explains. We do still need a staff in to, to run this unit efficiently. Also, just because it's also it's a new concept, we have to have somebody at the front to help people to understand that's how this is works. Described by Dublin Airport as a frictionless experience for passengers, this is a cash-free shop. So why now and why here? Gray McQueen from the airport operator DAA explains. I think it's an exciting development for the airport. I think it's something new. It's great for people who are in a hurry, um, who perhaps they don't have great English or they just want a, a very simple transaction, so it suits them. It suits a lot of staff working in the airport as well. They, they have an hour for their lunch. They want to get the sandwich and the drink quite quick so they can have a bit of downtime. They have an hour for their lunch. But if we continue to implement shops and and other services in this way sure we can reduce their lunch time to a half an hour can't we 
really. I mean, you see where this is going, right? Cannot use cash in there, can you? It is going to be for some people. Other people won't like it, and that's okay. There are still lots and lots of shops in the airport where you can use cash. For now, for now, until, of course... Um, CBDCs take over and cash is gone. Um, she then heard from a guy called Damien O'Reilly, who's a lecturer in retail management. Dublin. It's maybe the future of convenience shopping, and certainly in, in high-volume areas like airports, like stadiums. Um, it, this won't work to me, in my opinion, in the, the local spa or the local centre. It's a long time before that technology will be cheap enough for them to be able to afford this. So it's very expensive. But uh, and you, it's going to have to be proven around the world to make sure that the technology works and that it's profitable in the end. And is it- so Damien reckons it's not going to be taken up as quickly as maybe people imagine it might be. He went on to say that the Google shops, remember the Google shops where you walk in, there's no staff there, you walk around, pick everything you want up, the Amazon shops, not Google, the Amazon shops, I mean, and then you're charged when you leave. Apparently, some of those have closed in America. Not a lot of interest in them. Maybe that's a good thing. Alexandra says, Richie, I wish more people would ask these crucial questions. Unfortunately, most of the population of this world isn't interested in what is really going on. And life has a lot to do with that. that that's come up on this programme many times over the years. Life, you know, the difficulties of life plays a big part in it. That people don't have time or energy to look into a lot of the stuff that they are bombarded with kind of morning, noon and night. Tuesday's programme, back with you in a moment and then, if you want, I'll take some of your telephone calls and Skypes. I haven't posted the memes, but they're on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash bbgritchie. They're there under images. They're also on Twitter as well. I'm sure you know them anyway. I'll play the jingle. We're, we're good to go for a chat if you fancy a chat. Back in a moment after this, yeah. After this. Winter's on its way and so are colds, flu and other respiratory illness. <laughs> a robust immune system and vitamin D3 are your weapons in the fight to keep healthy when things get chilly. Immunex 365 vitamin capsules from NutraHealth 365 combine effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2 as well as zinc and quercetin to give your body that winter boost at just two capsules a day. Plus, for your peace of mind, all NutraHealth 365 orders come with free two-day track delivery. Visit NutraHealth365.com now and get winter ready. And we're fast approaching six o'clock this Tuesday. Um, what have I got coming up later on this week? Got some interesting things as usual. It's not the. It's a nice size studio, this, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not at arm's reach to the to the diary. But yeah, some interesting things coming up this week and next week on the program. Going to get a little bit esoteric on the program uh, next week as well. So um, I'm going to chat away about a few things. You can join in with me. There is a phone number and a Skype contact for the program. I. Th- these are, yeah, here we go. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Couldn't be simpler. You have the number. It's 0161 818 2018 here in the UK. Chat with Richie on Skype. And there is a WhatsApp contact for the programme as well, which I'm not sure... I have, but we'll get through as many calls as we possibly can. We'll get through as many... I'm just trying to take one in now. Yeah, we'll get through as many calls as we can in the hour. 
before I take my first caller, there is a WhatsApp number, and that is, I should have made a jingle for this, but I haven't gotten around to it. It's that busy. It's 075 and let's keep it on topic uh, this evening. It's been a while, but John in Austin, Texas is on the line. How are you doing, John? All right, Richie. Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Sounds like you're in the next room, pal. How are you? Oh, great. Oh, I'm not a very happy man these days, mate. Uh, I've been a big supporter of the Palestinian cause for several years. And uh, I just want to share with you one thing that uh, stuck with me. Uh, Do you remember back when they were moving the, the American embassy to Jerusalem. That's right, under under Donald Trump, if, if memory yeah, serves, yeah. yeah. Well, I was, I was sitting here listening to Mike Rivero that day, and I had my Facebook page open, and I was scrolling down, and this post came up, and it was a split-screen thing about that celebration there at Jerusalem, and I think his name was Jim Hagee, one of these TV evangelists over here, was mouthing off about how wonderful and precious Israel is. And the other half of the page was footage of all these young Palestinians getting shot at the fence. And the next thing I know is I'd passed out because I woke up and I thought, what the bloody hell just happened there? I checked my blood pressure, and I think if I remember rightly, it was 230-something. It might have been 234. I thought, bloody hell, uh, this ain't good. And I, I'll cut a long story short. I ended up four days later having a a pacemaker put in. And you put it down to that? You put it down to yeah. what was going on? Yeah. When, when those shootings were taking place, that was at the fence, and that was when the Palestinians were, I don't know if we can say celebrating, but it was the Nakba, wasn't it? You know, yes. the right of return. And yes. they were taking pot shots at the kids and killing them. I remember well, it well. No, that's that's. Here's the thing, Richie. Um, they were taking shots at them, not to kill them, but deliberately to cripple them. Yeah, they were they were they were killing some as well. Didn't they yeah, shoot people who went? Yeah. But, but didn't but they didn't they shoot people who went to help those who'd been who'd been wounded? If memory yeah. serves, yeah. so it's 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 good having you on. So I mean, you're in Austin, right? Obviously, it's a conservative town, right? So would the mood music in Austin be go Israel? Then would it be amongst your neighbours? Well, and actually, Richie, Austin is a, a very uh, socialist, democratic-based town. Although Texas is a red state, Austin is what you would call a blue town. Is that right? Yeah, most people here support the Democratic Party. And uh, I hear I hear Joe Biden's just about to take off for Israel, and uh, he's taken an assistant with him to act as his groom of the stool. What does that mean? <laughs> Somebody, it's what the royal family used to have. Somebody wipe his ass because this guy is just a total wreck. He's is, not in control of anything. But it's a farce, John, isn't it? It's a farce. This this gentleman, I mean, he's not a gentleman. Funnily enough, I, I I've read. The, the Irishman, the, the book about the contract killer who worked for the Mafia, um, mm-hmm. whose name escapes me, Robert De Niro played him in the, in, in the film, and right. he, he was intimately acquainted with Joe Biden back in the day. Would you believe that? <laughs> like, yeah. like Biden is connected to the Mafia, unsurprisingly. Oh, he's, a, he's a piece of crap. Yeah, well, he's a bad bastard. Of- I mean, a lot of people think he's benign as far as presidents go, but, but it's a farce that he's travelling to the States. He's obviously not well. 
seriously deteriorated. And if that doesn't yeah. tell people that these guys are not really in control, John, nothing no, will. Of course. But uh, Americans, they're, they're just, uh, they, they, they have such faith in their politicians. It's, I, I, I don't believe it. It's, it just blows my mind. But uh, I, I've kind of backed off me after that incident with uh, that, that day. I just kind of, but what I also noticed in, in, the, in the intervening years, there used to be several pages on Facebook that gave good information and footage about what was going on there. One I remember specifically was a page called Jerusalem Al-Quds. And uh, there, were, there were a few others. But when, they, when the fact checkers come in, all those pages disappeared. Yeah. And I just never saw any footage of what was going on there. They're all doing watching... it, John. Sorry, sorry. sorry, go ahead. Finish that thought. This is interesting. Yeah. I was just uh, the other. I, I don't sleep good these days, and I, I get up early the other morning there, about four o'clock, and I said, "Oh, let's see what old Max Egan is doing." I haven't checked out on Max for a while, and I watched his latest video. It was over two hours long, and he included some of the, these old clips that I remembered seeing back in the day, like the Israeli soldiers all over the streets of Gaza, and. When I heard about this nonsense last week about that they're supposedly Hamas has supposedly invaded Israel, I thought if you were a Palestinian, you couldn't fart within thirty yards of that fence, or the Israelis would be over there saying, "What's going on? What's going on?" They knew every bloody step you took. So your take on it is there was um, some sort of stand down situation because I'm I'm convinced that lots of Israelis were murdered. I'm convinced of that personally. And look, anybody who's known me and known this program for nine years, uh-huh. they'll know that that's what I genuinely believe, right? Yeah. I have no time for Israel. The, all the right is with the Palestinians and the state of Palestine. But but mm-hmm. I do believe that. So for you to be right then, I can only conclude that somebody um, gave a stand-down order or it happened some other way because I agree with you. I mean, it's one of the, the best defended places on planet Earth. And it's yeah. it's not only that they didn't react to it. They took six hours to react to it. And right. that's untenable, that, isn't it? I've seen lots of people who are much better informed on this issue than me. And, and they've quite clearly said, Richie, that they wouldn't put it past Netanyahu to sacrifice these people in order to achieve what they want to achieve. And that is the total annihilation of the Gaza Strip. And that just sickens me. And it sickens me that the American bloody taxpayer gives these bastards $3.5 billion a year, plus all the extra stuff that's going in now. Yeah. Just sickens me, man. I saw a nice, I'll finish off with this because I, I don't want to take up too much yeah, of I've time. Yeah, I've got a caller standing, boy. Go ahead, John. I saw, I saw a lovely clip and I pulled it up, but I've lost it. It came up last week. It was Claire Daly. You know, is she an Irish? She's an Irish, MP- T- Irish independent TD. That's right. All right, yeah. I wasn't sure if she was in the European Commission or not, but she was playing this clip by Ursula von der Leyen, and she was banging on about how wonderful Israel was and they were celebrating their 75th anniversary of independence. And I've always asked the question, who the hell did Israel claim independence from? They walked into Palestine and stole the frigging country. I don't call that independence. On the the British mandate. And by the way, I I stand corrected. I'm correcting myself. I think you're right. I think Claire Daly is a a member of the European Parliament. Irish member of the European Parliament. Independent, I think. Yeah, I'll be corrected on that. That's right. The British mandate, the partition of Palestine, the UN. We see, John, we know our history. 
And this yeah. is being trained out of us. The generations coming behind us are not going to know this stuff. So mm-hmm. they're not. John, I've got Mark standing by. Good to hear from okay, you, pal. Okay, mate. Good to talk to you again. And you too, John. Thanks. That's John in Austin. Excellent call, that. And I didn't know that Austin would would have been blue. You see, you learn something new every day. I, I would have imagined Texas was a conservative state, but he said, um, did he say Dallas is red? Texas would be a red state, but... But um, Austin isn't. Mark is on the line. Mark, how are you? Welcome. You all right there? Hi, Richard. Nice to speak to you. My pleasure, mate. Where are you? Uh, I'm just down the road from you. I'm in Warrington. You're in Warrington. Good man. Nice to have you on, pal. What would you like to say? The floor is yours. Uh, well, just, you know, we're talking about this AI taking over. I it, mean, it's just a recipe for disaster. I'll give you a small example of something that happened to a friend of mine last well, a couple of months ago. Um, she went, she was, she's got a, a letter from a car, from a, 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 one of these car park places saying that's been charged 60 quid because she'd been on the car, but it was like one of these retail parks, you know, where you get like three hours free and anything over that, they, uh, they charge you for it. So she'd got this letter saying that um, she'd been on the retail park from 11 o'clock in the morning till half past nine at night. Um, you can't phone anyone. You can't write to anybody. It all has to be done. If you've got, if you, you know, the appeals process all has to be done online. So, so what she said, and funnily enough, actually, I'll tell you when it was. It was the 5th of November last year. So, you know, you're going to know where you're on. Yeah, that's right, of course. So, um, so she, anyway, cut a long story short, she's got this thing on her phone, you know, where, wherever she is. Where she's driving, you know, like a, it's kind of like a sat nav, but it tells you where you are at all times, whether you were driving, whether you were stationary or something. I'm not really that well up on technology, to be honest. But so she ended up sending that in. So that's what she'd done. She'd gone to the retail park in the morning to do some shopping. Then she'd come off the retail park, went about her business, went to a, um, a bonfire uh, firework display, and then went back to the retail park about 9.30 to get pizza. So obviously it's took her registration as she's gone in in the morning. And then took it as she's come out in the evening, thinking she's been on there all day. Um, so anyway, she she ended up having to she she submitted this. I don't know whether she sent a screenshot or something, but she managed to email this satnav thing that she had on her phone, which showed what, what she was doing all day. And she ended up sending some pictures of a bonfire that she'd gone to as well that had timestamps on it. Now I'm thinking, if that happens to me. I, I, I wouldn't know where to start. I'd be like, well, can't ring somebody up or can't, yeah. can't speak to anybody. Yeah. You know, because I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't have that technology on my phone. And what if you, what if it wasn't bonfire night and I hadn't taken any photographs that day or something? And if you know, you, so, so where does that? Yeah. If you take human, if you take people out of all of these processes entirely and you're only dealing with machines, you've not got any chance really, have you, of arguing with a machine? No, you've got none. I, no, no chance. And I, and and you know, whilst I was pleased that me, you know, my friend managed to get it sorted. At the same time, I'm thinking, well, I use that retail park sometimes. You know, if that happens to me, what what am I going to do? I, 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 honestly, I, I wouldn't even know where to start, Richie. No, you know, it's a funny one, isn't it? That being said, maybe I shouldn't say this on air, but I'll say it anyway. I've had two parking tickets in the last three years: one in the Lake District, one in Cornwall, and I ignored them, and that was that basically. After a couple of um, attempts a couple of letters that was the end of it in fact i i i was border i was I, I was millimeters away from being outside the restricted zone in cornwall and when the guy was putting the ticket on 
I said to him, this is farcical. We're in the countryside. We're not blocking any roads or I'm not outside anybody's house. So I said, you won't be getting the bonus because I won't be paying the ticket. And I didn't. But, you know, it's easy. It's easy for me to do it. But it's not easy for other people, you know, who might work. My missus now, if she was on her own, she wouldn't put up with that. She just paid the as a bloody ticket. But th- this is brilliant, Mark. Yeah, this is where we're going. Where everything is going to be controlled. If I go to, you're in Warrington, right? So you will have occasionally have gone to Formby, just like me. So you go over to Formby. Yep. It's all, it's all, y- you can just about still use coins to pay for your parking, but that's about to disappear. And then yeah. they're, they're, they're going to bring in cameras. So you'll be recognized when you come in. You've got to have the app on your phone. You don't need to do anything at all, at all. You come in, you go, it'll calculate how much parking you used and then it will deduct from your bank account you will have no part in that process and neither will any other mm-hmm. human being it's like a bail-in in effect isn't well, it it's, i mean it, if, if you Except look at the runcorn bridge they've got that I, I accidentally went over that a couple of couple of years ago because the runcorn bridge now once you get past a certain it's like a dual carriageway all the way and once you get past you're about three miles from the bridge and, and i'm thinking oh god I'm, i don't want to go over this bridge and pay a toll but it's like a because it's dual carriageway there's no turnings you're, you're stuck yeah so i was stuck about three miles from the bridge on this dual carriageway ended up going over it and it just says oh, pay online blah blah and I, I ended up getting my daughter to do it so i thought i don't you know and and funny enough the reason i was going to run corn was get a tire for the car i spoke to the lad at quick fit over there and he said oh yeah i once uh, came over and i forgot to pay because um, he lived in Widnes and, and worked in Runcorn. He said, I once came over and forgot to pay tw- two days. It cost me 40 quid. And you, you're just like, you know, where, where's this going? It's going. You know, it, it's like you say, though, it, it, it won't even be pay online. It'll get to the point where it say, you don't need to pay online. We're just going to take it. We'll take it out. Brendan has been on to say, just wait for Robocop, 15 seconds to comply, and then you're gone. <laughs> that's how it's going, yeah. Good stuff, Brendan. Mark, that's a brilliant call, pal. Really appreciate that. Thanks very much for it. All right, no worries. Cheers. Good to hear from you, Mark. Boy, Mark in Warrington. Brilliant stuff, that. But but spooky, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm au fait with the techie stuff that I I should mind, but I don't mind. I drive in and out. I do it at a car park in Manchester. It takes the registration. I don't have anything to do. It takes it out of the account because I have the app. It's horrible. Caller, you're live on the programme. Who am I speaking with? Uh, me? Uh, my name's Andy. Andy, how are you, pal? Where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Tadley, uh, North Hampshire, nice right that- next to the the Atomic Weapons Establishment of Joys. <laughs> next to the Atomic Weapons Establishment, Andy. <laughs> hey, that sounds lively. That sounds yeah. lively. So, so well, house, house, house prices are dropping in the Atomic Weapons neighbourhood by the sounds of it. I mean, that's mental, isn't it? What what sort of weapons? What sort of weapons are being manufactured near you? Well, who who knows? I don't actually work there, so um, you know, there's there's just a few rumours. That uh, they weren't actually moved out in the first place, but who knows? This will be a great meme. This phone call will be a great meme in the future, a great gift when something goes wrong there. I shouldn't say that as a joke. Andy, welcome anyway, pal. What would you like to say? Um, uh, um, well, basically, uh, LED lights is my problem, <laughs> on top of everything else. The ones on the streets outside our homes? Uh, and on cars... Uh, yeah, all sorts of places, just LED lights, man. They're just, just making my life a misery. Why? Tell us why. Now, they, they say, that's they with a capital T, they say that these are great, they don't use as much power, and the bulbs last longer. So it's good for the environment. What's really wrong with them? Well, are they good for the environment? Um, well, there's, there's, lots, uh, there's lots wrong with them. Um, uh, for me personally, 
they're just I mean, way too intense. They're like lasers. They just cut into my eyes. They're just really painful, give me migraines. Um, but there's there's a lot of information out there, um, particularly uh, through the Soft Lights organisation um, or, uh, or Light Aware. Which, so the Soft Lights organisation is a is an American setup, and uh, Light Aware is a British setup. There's lots and lots of information on there if somebody's interested. Um, Very good. And what's the ge- what's how the, they work? What's the general gist then? So these are harmful for the eyes, but maybe harmful for more than the, the than than just the eyes. So the soft light network. What's the general gist of of their issue with these lights? I'm with you, by the way. I drive. I don't like them either. <laughs> I don't like them either. Yeah. My 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 car, thankfully, still got the original uh, bulbs. If anything goes wrong with with my lights, I'll just pull into a garage and they'll change the bulb. But I agree with you; they are distracting. In fact, I've read in the paper somewhere, Andy, at one at one time or another, they've been blamed for crashes. These things. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, oh there's so much to say. Um, okay, so across the board. Generally speaking, they're not good for the environment. They're not good for nature because there's about the blue light confuses insects. Um, uh, the, the birds don't like them. There's lots of things that happen during the night that uh, um, the birds and insects get up to. We'll see. Um, but also damage to your eyes, the retina. Um, yeah, it's just there's just so much to sound it. Um, Pollution and but, so so if it's adversely affecting the birds and insects of any of any area that's obviously not a good thing it's upsetting the eco balance isn't it in in an area we've got them in Salford pretty much right across the the housing estates funnily enough the one closest to our house is uh is is broken and it hasn't been fixed for god knows when Andy I think maybe local drug dealers I think broke it I think I think it's where certain transactions <laughs> take place. I actually do believe that, but um, no. So that's highly that's highly likely if I don't um, because there's actually the opposite evidence would would show that anywhere that's illuminated creates crime or crime is created around the illumination the illuminated area, and that was a study done in America where they did um, a similar sort of thing. You talk about drug drug crimes and all sorts of stuff, but crime in general. So. It, on streets where LED light was was installed, car crime increased by twenty seven percent. So help us they out with the that. LED out Andy, and help, the, help, and help, the, help me out with this. So, car crime increased by forty percent where the LED lights were present. Does anybody know why? Yeah. Can you explain that in plain well, English for me? Well, in plain English, if you're going to break into a car and you need to hold the hold the torch, you put the torch in your mouth or you take somebody with you. Yeah. If you've got an LED light next to the vehicle, you don't need a torch. It's it's quite simple, you know. You, you can see what you're doing. Jesus, yeah, so, you're right, yeah. yeah, yeah. And this is the same with multi-story car parks where they put um, lots of light. So it's generally low-level crime where there's no light. I mean, you might argue differently if you know, if the police might argue that uh, more stabbings happen or whatever. But uh, but yeah, it's um, it, it's becoming a bit of a scourge. And let's like say pollution in general. They're, Dark, uh, Dark Sky Association, um, the observatory, the five main observatories around the country, they're all, they're all complaining now that they can't see past the planet's atmosphere. Oh, I've read this. Well done, Andy. I've read this in the Times. Well done. This is great. This is a great call. They can't see. I mean, that's incredible, isn't it? And it's down to these lights, this pollution. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. LED light pollution. Yeah. I mean, it, in in the main, uh, you could uh, it could be fixed, I guess, or light pollution anyway, if the if the fittings were properly um, properly shrouded, had proper diffusers on, the the illuminations were properly angled, so that they weren't angling into people's houses or directly into your face if you're driving. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's uh, the spread, the colour. So the colour is the other important one. So the, the uh, anything over 2,700 kelvins is um, is not particularly well um, received by your by your retina or your you know your neurological system. So 2,700 kelvins would be a nice sort of amber colour, which is what the, the traditional street lamps are nice amber colour. Yeah, the six thousand kelvins that you're getting in car headlights, um, are generally uh, the more harmful ones because the brighter the light, the more blue blue light there is in it. Here's... So it's not actually white light that you're seeing; it's blue light. But your your eye retina and your, your neuro- neurological system is converting it to a white light. And this is this is and this is harmful. I'm looking at the Washington Post, um, the article dated. Um, I had the date. It's 2023 anyway. The headline is, um, wait for it, LED lights are meant to save energy. They're creating glaring problems. This is the Washington Post, okay? So it talks about um, Chelan County um, changing their street lights from the traditional bulbs to LED. And would you believe it, Andy? They've described exactly what you've described. They say that in Chelan County, you can now see less than half of the previously visible stars. Oh, there you go. I just dug <laughs> that up there. Some researcher, the boy Richie, I'm only joking, by the way. Um, <laughs> it, it, it only took me 30 seconds to find that, but yeah. And the Washington... Yeah, I mean, yeah go ahead. I, I was going to say, um, if you want to get hold of um, uh, the guy who runs the uh, Soft Lights organisation, Yes, I did send you a link, actually, it was about a month ago, to an interview that he did on a uh, alternative news uh, video blog. Um, so he'll be he'll be quite happy to talk to you if you can uh, oh, listen, reach out to him. We'll make it happen. We'll get him on the programme. Andy, that's, that, good, man. that's a really good call. Let's leave it there then, because I'm getting hammered with other calls, but this is very important. Amazing I dug that up, and even the mainstream media is saying this is a big problem um, for societies yeah, but, and, from, and for neighbourhoods. Um, as great. far as the agenda is concerned, the one thing that, um, that a lot of a lot of my uh, new age or agenda complying or non-complying friends aren't aren't in agreement with is that I do feel as if LED light is part of uh, agendas for control because the it's the police and even in Israel to be topical, it was used as crowd control. So LED light flickers. Where you can control the flicker rate of LED light, so it goes on and off at any rate you like, and you can it can be used as a weapon. It can be used as crowd control. And they they did it in um, they did it in America and they did it in uh, uh, Israel, but I can't find. As it always works, I cannot now find the two articles where it was used in the in the military press as a way of pacifying so people you, or, or or pushing people back. Well, it, you, you, you can uh, confuse people. You can, it's, it can be used to change mood. So what used to be called mood lighting, or still is called mood lighting, 
but it can be used to change your mood. So, um, uh, well, it's all it's all part of this psychological game they've been playing. And Andy, Andy, just before I take another call, game. right? As far as I've we've heard on this program in the past, those lights can also be used as staging posts for other technology, right? Oh yeah. So if you yeah. wanted to put little. Um, booster. What what do they call them? Like so. So we have Wi-Fi. Some of us have Wi-Fi. Sadly, in our homes, right? So um, yeah. And you have little pods where you can boost that Wi-Fi signal. So some have said to me on this program in the past that if you wanted to um expand or boost a five G signal, you could use LED lights to place little, almost like little antennae and stuff. Is, is that something you've heard too? Or am I just confusing uh, well, with something only, else? Only briefly in passing. But now you mentioned that, there was a report, I haven't got around to reading it yet, but uh, there was a report I saw yesterday where coming out of a, a university, um, I, 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 don't know, I don't remember which country, but they're, they're playing with LED lights to charge battery cars. And they've, they've found a way of using any LED light to transfer energy from the grid wirelessly to a battery yeah wirelessly that's really interesting yeah. because it, the, the technology exists in smartphones doesn't it um, if you and I have a reasonably up to date smartphone and I've got 80% battery or you've got 80% battery and I've got 10% and I need a bit more you can remotely charge my phone Andy that's a great call pal um, where did you send the message with the details of the guys who were talking about this it was just straight through your website it's on the contact me page but I can do it again if you want please and in the head in the heading put or everybody will do this now but it won't matter I'll go I'll find it anyway put, put <laughs> urgent put urgent right put LED urgent and I'll get straight on it and thanks for the call Andy no and um, thanks for taking the call you're an absolute gentleman what star you are thanks no, very much for everything you do not at all mate you're very welcome thanks Andy and get away yes, from get, you, a, get, a, get away from that atomic weapons factory as quick as you can <laughs> Move up who here. Wants a, who wants to survive a strike anyway? Yeah, exactly. Nice long winter. Sounds good, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Bye for now. Andy on the line there. Yeah, LED lights. Yeah, that article in the Washington Post, in some places, in one place in particular, less than half of the stars now visible since the city went full LED lights. Brian is on the line. How are you doing, Brian? I am well, big man. How the devil are you? I'm absolutely chuffed to have you on the programme, my friend. Where, where are you calling from, roughly? At the moment now, I'll be over in Bristol. Good man, Tony Gosling country. We like Bristol. Yeah, just, just, just relocated there, powerful love, which is always a good thing. You followed right? a woman to Bristol. I love it, Brian. I love it. What else? What else leads a man but his willy, eh? But his willy. Fair enough. I, I'll I mean, go along heart, with that. His heart, buddy. His heart. His heart. Listen, um, listen. Ricky, I've been listening to you for an incredibly, incredibly long time there. Uh, it's, it's fantastic to actually be talking to you. I did have a pseudonym that I used to try and contact you with on Twitter. Still can't work Twitter. Deep apologies, mate. Deep apologies. No, you're here, Brian. Uh, so the floor is I yours. Got, you know how it goes, pal. What would you like to say? Wait, I got, I got, I got two, two, two things that I'd like to talk to you about, Alan. Uh, the first one there will be uh, your man talking about AI. We all remember a long time ago that there was sort of like a little release saying that everything that we get is third hand. It goes military and then it sort of works its way out and then it becomes into the into the public domain. I saw a BBC 
short a long time ago about them working on HDTV when they still had massive shoulder-mounted cameras. They were working on that technology then. Um, do you remember when we used to have quangos? If you read the paper, it would say a recent government quango, quango. said, you know, and they'd get all the brains to sit down and just sort of have a think about what would be good policy, how would people react. And then it just fell out. People, you, you never heard about quangos and government think tanks anymore. I, I honestly believe AI has been here longer than we actually realise. Wow, so you... The quangos is an interesting one. Yes, we did hear about quangos all the time and we would hear opposition parties say how much of a waste of money they were and they didn't do anything and public expenditure and all of that. We don't hear anymore. So you believe that governments might be using artificial intelligence to do what? To come up with policies? Well, yeah, not the government, but the no, powers that be. Yeah, the definitely. Deep um I don't, I don't want to plug something, but if you've never seen Dirk Gently, there is, it, it's really brilliant, and I only ran about three or four episodes of it, and one of them is about invading Switzerland or Sweden. It was Switzerland, and some bloke come up with a computer program where you put in the answer, and it will give you all the right questions on how to get there. And, it, and the end of the episode was a newsflash, we're invading, we're invading Switzerland. Um, yeah. yeah, it was very <laughs> thought-provoking, but it did make me think that, yeah, possibly are these things better coming, capable from, than... coming from something that we really... Well, you said something. Has... You said something very important. Something I agree with. If something is being presented to us now, as France banking new, as as a technological miracle, the chances are, as you said, it's probably third hand. There's that famous story of Will Smith working on the movie Enemy of the State and being blown away when they went to meet military contractors who said, "We've got some gadgets for the movie." And Will Smith said, Brian, didn't the odds? Oh, I can't believe this. And the guy sniggered at him. Gene Hackman was present as well. And the guy said, listen, this is old stuff, this. And that blew Will Smith away. So I'm, I'll buy into that. That when you've got... Yeah, like literally yeah. make, make microwave ovens. Apparently, like third-hand technology that came out a very, very long time ago. And they worked their way down when the, 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 the military supersedes that technology with something more then it gets passed out and becomes public utilities, basically. Well, Barry, Barry Troer is the guy there, isn't he? Didn't Barry work in the 1960s on using microwave technology as a weapon? So you're right. You're, you're absolutely right to say that. The microwave is a great example of what you're saying. Wonderful. Yeah, so when the military doesn't need microwave weapons anymore because it's got something else, then all of a sudden... Well, what, what, consumer do, product. what do we use? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, possibly. I like this, Brian. Well, it just made me think with, with ChatGPT that possibly, obviously that's a massive data harvesting. You know, you are you are basically feeding it what it needs to become better. Now explain that. Now, hang on, think... hang on, hang on. This is good. I like this. Explain that. I downloaded the free ChatGPT. Um, right. 2.5 was the absolute bollocks. It was really good. 2.5 was brilliant when it didn't have yeah. protocols in place that it has now. Three, three gives you advice. Remember, this is an endangered species. Remember this. It's, it's quite woke, whereas 2.5, yeah, you could literally get it to write books 
dissertations, anything. I was amazed by this. Uh, and th- this is the reason I downloaded it, because I had a conversation with um, Paul Ripley and Paul's brother, Nick, and they were going on about it. So I downloaded it. And I'm, a, a, you know, I'm a, a third level education graduate. I'm not bragging about that. I just happen to be. So, you, you, you know, knowing the things I know. So I'm right now. I've got chat TPD. I like that, Brian. I like that. We're all, we're all PhDs now. But, that, but that's, exactly what, that, that, that's exactly what I did. I asked it to write me a dissertation on the influence of various um, Irish um, paramilitary leaders um, of the 18th and 19th centuries, right? We're talking pre the Easter Rising. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't believe what it gave me. It was terrific, basically. Well, I got mine to write a 10,000 word dissertation um, basically on the 300 year sign of the Masonic Constitution and the standardization of jewels prior and afterwards, and basically tied in with Hogarth, who was a an excellent artist, but basically had a lodge named after him, which is the uh, Lodge of Stewards, and he designed the Stewards Jewel, which is still in use now. And um, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. Word the perfect. Depth and breadth of its knowledge, because masonry, obviously, being universally spread, is huge. Yet, unless you go to Queen Street's museum and actually become a member of the library and start digging into the records. It's really hard for you to just Google things, you know. Um, which brings me on to the second point. You had a chap on a wee while ago who said that he went down some stairs and watched an initiation in the Sonic Marriage and everything. Yeah, it was on a phone in. I am just going to have to call bullshit on this. That's why I've only given you part of my name. Wish to see my Masonic credentials, then I'm more than happy to talk to you within reason about um, the Masonic institution that I understand where I am in my Masonic career. Right, this is fascinating now. Yeah, because as I have shared with our listeners before, um, many, many years ago in Nottingham, I was proposed for member. Well, I wasn't proposed, but I was asked, would I be interested? if I was going to run a, a bar and restaurant business there. And I said at the time, I said, what, you know, what, what use would it be to me? And I was told, you know, it would make life a little bit easier for me. Business-wise, Brian, is that what it is at that level? Is that what masonry is at that level? I am a Lewis, which means I am the son of a mason. Right. My father is a Lewis, who is the son of a mason. His father, my granddad uh, constituted lodges in Germany after the war. He's a Lewis. I come from a long, 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 long line of Lewises. Well, give us... Let me jump in. Let me jump in. Let me jump in. It's important because other callers are stacking up, but I do really want to hear this. Give us... Um, give us a 60-second definition, then, as you understand it. What is masonry? What does it mean to be a mason? Everyone will tell you it is what you put in is what you get out. Now, I've done a lot of charity work within masonry, within my community, which has elevated me to be a better person because without it, yeah, I might have touched on a little bit of charity, a little bit of money giving maybe with the homeless or something like that, a couple of pennies in the pot, but have become more involved within my community. 
Um, and that's that's a, a very gentle peer pressure. You know, you want to be you want to elevate yourself to your peers. And in my particular lodge, there are no bad people. There are no bad people, but that is because the good people within the lodge don't nominate bad people. I cannot vouch for other lodges. Fair enough. So to those who say that they've done their research and they've read books by Jim Mars and others who say that at the top of masonry is something completely the opposite to that which you described, that it is a malevolent, a malevolent organisation. You won't if know. If we look at, say... Um, say like foot soldiers the lowest of soldiers and then you look at people who become um commanders and generals they went to a different school right. i don't think uh, uh somebody who joins the army at a low level from a, a poor background is ever going to become like the commander in chief are they they just haven't they didn't go to eton they no, weren't, they, I, don't, yeah. I don't really think there is that progression within masonry um, to the real, real high echelons. I think, yeah, I think that's possibly closed doors, but then I could well be speaking out of turn. Uh, mean, one thing is for certain, if you don't start young enough, you won't go far. It's, it's a lifelong endeavour. Uh, I joined in my 30s. Um, I'm unattached at the moment because I've moved. I'm looking for another lodge to join. Um, I'm not an overly ambitious person. Uh, and I do understand the higher you go and come dark blues, which is you, you get honours from provincial and grand lodge. Uh, it's more work. And it is, it is, it is, it's not a job, but it can be close. If you take it really seriously and you wish to progress, um, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a lot of work. To, to give you a flavour, um, William has been on the website to say I wouldn't trust a mason as far as I could throw him. I doubt you're surprised yeah. to hear that on this program. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. What can you say? You don't know what you don't know. Or maybe he knows more. I really couldn't say. Yeah. This is my personal lived experience. And I'm open-minded. And I, I believe you, 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 I take you at face value when you say this is my lived experience. I don't see why you'd lie about that. I'm very open-minded about these things. Um, Skull and Bones. I've read all the books. Um, fascinating stuff, you know. Again, these are Ivy League universities. And... Um, they are. Th- these, these, not us. No, no, exactly. United Grand Lodge of England. Yeah. is that um, we, 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 we don't entertain other rights. Yes, we might call ourselves brothers in America. Um, they're not with us. If they're not consecrated by United Grand Lodge of England, um, they're, they're not with us. Brian, that's fascinating, pal. I really appreciate you coming well, on to talk about it. hard and fast rules. We will call them brothers, <laughs> but like everything. If you're not in our club, you're not in our club. I'm going to take another call. Best of luck in the relationship. Great call, mate. You've got me Thank thinking. Thank you, Richie. All the best to you, mate. Been massive long-time listener. Massive long-time listener. I love your work, mate. Keep you're, it up. You're very kind, Brian. Thanks very much for that. So Brian called in there. Not, not his real name. Uh, lovely chap talking to us um, a little bit about masonry. Um, what do you think of that? The telephone details are 0161818 You can... Skype me, it's chat with Richie, and I'm looking at the WhatsApp details. It is 075-659-42270 on WhatsApp. I've probably said that a little too quickly. 
075659 There's still time to get in touch with me. Reach out to the programme right now, he says. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Fascinating. And a number of you were very interested about what um, Brian had to say about chat GPT. I'm turning away from you because I, I wanted to, There you are. I knew there was a call coming in. So I'm going to bring it in now. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Good evening. Hi, Richie. It's Anthony from Witness. Anthony, Anthony and Witness at Northwest has been well represented tonight. Anthony, we had Warrington earlier on. Yeah. We had we had Mark earlier. Lovely to meet you, Anthony. What would you like to say, mate? It sounds like you're driving. Um, I'm not far from you actually. I'm going down the M6. Fantastic, mate. Just in for Leeds. Ah, brilliant. You're back. I thought you were breaking up. What would you like to say then? Go ahead, Anthony. Um, it's kind of funny that your caller from last, uh, your, your guest from last night who was on talking about jab injuries. Yeah. Um, all it was, and you're talking about cognitive dissonance. So the problem I have in my family is, when you talk about injuries, is not a lot is happening. So when you try to tell people that they may injure you, they don't pay attention because... In my immediate family, nobody's had, from what I can gather, any harm <laughs> from the jabs. That's, um, um sorry, you, you just faded out there. This is really interesting. So, not a lot is happening, and because it isn't happening, it's difficult to convince people that the jabs are not in their best interest because we're not seeing a lot of injuries around us, is what you're saying. Yeah, but in another kind of, which is the cognitive dissonance side, my mother-in-law, she's a manager at a care home, and when this started, I said to her that I believed, because other people believed it, that people who were going to hospitals, especially coming from care homes, were being euthanised. Now, we had many arguments over it until... About a month ago, when she told me that her care home are now investigating seven people who went into a Northwest hospital for routine things but didn't come out after being in there for about 24 hours. So then she said to me privately that she now knows, and I think the company knows, that these people were euthanized, murdered, whatever you want to call it. Anthony, what are, what are they going to do about it? Has anybody reported it? Actually, in the minute, in they're actually going through the, the beginning stages of it, so inquiries and things like that. But yeah. she says they do know that within her care home where she manages that that did happen during lockdown. People who are otherwise... But I don't have any more... Any more info than that. Yeah, but these people have learning disabilities adults with Oh God, he's breaking up there, Anthony. That's a shame that. She said, no, no, no. She, she passed it off because, so she knew this was going on, but there's the cognitive dissonance. They still, I think they're on jab number four or five now, even though she knew that was going on at the start. 
Cognitive dissonance, eh? Wow. Is there somebody who can keep us up to date with respect to the claims that people were euthanized at the care home? Is will you keep us? Will you well, keep yes, us updated? My, yeah, my mother-in-law is the manager of one of these care homes. She she told me my my wife doesn't like us talking about because we had many I wouldn't say arguments, but we had she around the table when we were talking and sort of but didn't really want to make a big thing, but she did acknowledge that she now knew that there was evidence. Because they're a home and now looking into it. And and it the fact they're looking into it, if they are looking into it, is, so, sorry, Anthony, the call is breaking up a little but bit. I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm just. Sorry, I'm heading towards Leeds. So no worries, pal. The signal, yeah, you're going to be in the Pennine soon enough. Um, the the fact that Care Home is looking into it is a positive development, isn't it? And he's gone. Um, I, think. I would say so, but I think with everything else, especially in regards to the injuries. Would they ever make the press? I, I doubt it, but you could hope it can. Anthony, thanks for sharing that with us, pal. The line is getting very bad as you get away from uh, from Salford. I really appreciate that call. Thank you very much. Anthony is driving. It's coming up for 14 minutes to the top of the hour. Tuesday's Richie Allen shows the time. I've already given you the time. It's the 17th of October, 2023. Uh, thanks for your messages as well. Thanks, Rich, for the link. Hi to Rob, who says, It just shows you that nothing can be taken at face value in this world. Nothing is as it is portrayed or perceived. Thank you uh, for that, um, Rich. Gaz has been on to say, uh, Thanks, Gaz. I don't think that's right, but thank you. Chris says, An old friend of mine is a mason. I gathered that it was a club in which they looked out for each other. He knew policemen, he knew ex-police, etc. Yeah, not to... Because I, it can get a bit repetitive. But when I talk about masonry, it gets repetitive because I don't know very much about it. Other than I was told, you know, if you do end up running this pub and this business in Nottingham, um, I was told by a hotel owner who I'd known in Spain and he was going to broker the deal for us to take over the pub in Nottingham. He wasn't brokering the deal. In fact, he was going to put a little bit of money in a little bit of money in to get a start, a little bit of an investment, right? And um, he was, he, he's a mason. And he said, look, I'll propose you for membership. And I said, what goes on in the masons? And his answer was pretty basic. It's like, uh, it's a club, Richie. He said, um, think of it like Chamber of Commerce, but a bit more, bit more hands-on, a bit more going on than the Chambers of Commerce. And I said, right. But it never came to pass because we never... Stayed in Nottingham. We met some lovely people there, but we didn't stay there. And that was the end of that. I knew when I mentioned this a couple of years ago, I knew that Scallies would get on to me saying, ah, you're telling lies, Richie. You must have joined. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't join. And if I did, I wouldn't tell you. You see, you can't win. No, I didn't. Craig says, I've known a few large members over the years. They are human. The same as the rest of us, says Craig. The lodges encourage community. Just as trade unions were introduced to do. To be a socialist is to be invested in community, says Craig. A united community under a leadership is stronger together than the individuals. Yes, that's the trade union mantra. Like a bundle of sticks, the Latin for which is fascist. Strangely enough, for all the deceptions and misdirections, largely for political propaganda reasons, that's all fascism slash socialism actually is. Tribalism, says Craig, in his opinion. But that's 
too simplistic, Craig. We've not heard from you for a long time, Craig. You're back. Were you sulking for a while? Maybe, maybe you were. That's a very simplistic, it's a very laudable point of view and you, you make a good argument, but it's very simplistic. Um, tribalism. It's not tribalism when you're about to get fired by a company and your brethren and sisterin in the, in, in, in the union say, well, we're going to stand by you because you don't deserve to be fired. We'll withhold our labour. Now you're going to come back and say, ah, oh, touche, that's tribalism. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. That's humanity. Isn't what that is. That's humanity. That's the little people, you know, working for a massive corporation. That's the little people saying, no, we're going to stick with you and stick with one another. And together, united, the people will never be defeated. But um, yeah, interesting, Craig. Thank you for that. Uh, hi to Kev. Hi, Kev. Who says, Quango, quasi-autonomous non-governmental organisation. They're called NGOs these days, uh, he says. Yes and no. Yes and no. Quangos were committees. Um, paid sometimes extraordinary sums of money to sit around and do sod all, really. Given a brief by a government. Wynne says the IDF uses 22 calibre bullets. Bullets which bounce, that bounce around the leg and shatter bone rather than go straight through. Um, the Palestinians they're aimed at in the West Bank. They're used to cripple. This is horrific, says Wynne, in his opinion. Thank you, Wynne. I don't know very much, it must be said, about um, firearms and weaponry and bullets. I know next to nothing. Lizzie says, my granddads, both my granddads were masons. My granddad was an ex-police inspector. He could pull people's records for members, etc. It's really just favours, says Lizzie. Thanks, Lizzie. That's a bit corrupt, though, but fair, fair enough. <laughs> and Andy's been back on. Andy from Tadley. Thank you, Andy. I've got those details now. Softlights.org. We'll check that out about the LED lights. Brilliant. Mark says, over 500 killed in an airstrike on Gaza Hospital, Al Jazeera and the BBC is reporting. Is it? Palestinian officials are claiming that hundreds of people have been killed after the Baptist hospital in central Gaza was struck by warplanes. A health spokesman is quoted, this is brand new, um, last 20 minutes, a health spokesman is quoted estimating that hundreds of people were killed. More on this as we get it, says the BBC. So the BBC is reporting on the claims, but it isn't endorsing it. It isn't verifying it, as the BBC would say. Thanks, Mark, for that. Um, that's horrendous, and then some. But if it turns out to be true, it won't be surprising, will it? Yeah. I'm trying to find more on that. Yeah. Um, I can't find too much more on it now. Let me try and get on Al Jazeera. Um, that's you've done me there, Mark. Hang on. Let me see. Can I get on Al Jazeera and see what it's reporting? It probably hundreds of casualties as Israel hits Gaza hospital, sheltering thousands. Israeli airstrike hits the Al Ali hospital in Gaza. Might be the same one, the Baptist hospital, as reported by the BBC, where thousands are seeking safety and treatment. 
if the hospital has been killed, excuse me, if the hospital has been struck by Israel and hundreds have been killed, it's a no-brainer that the Israelis will claim that Hamas did it. Won't they? They will allege that Hamas is responsible for it, punishing its own people for fleeing, it might say. It might say that Hamas has done it to blame Israel in order to to gain some sympathy from, from the international community. That's what you're likely to hear um, from Israel. Um, yeah, what a terrible thing. I can't say any more than that, really. Al Jazeera doing what the BBC is doing. It's saying that the claims are from Palestinians on the ground there that the hospital has been hit and hundreds of people are dead or injured. Wow. Um, Joe Biden, the US president, is en route to uh, Tel Aviv, isn't he? Where he'll be supposedly meeting Benjamin Netanyahu tomorrow, where allegedly he will ask him to exercise some caution in the proposed ground invasion of Gaza. And Biden is expected to ask him to do everything he can to limit civilian casualties in the region. That's about the end of it uh, today. Thank you um, for for listening to the programme. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who called in. As usual, the calls were fascinating and insightful. And um, we're def- we'll definitely follow up on the LED story. So Andy, thank you uh, so much for that. I, I greatly appreciate you, pal, uh, today. I'm back with you tomorrow, Wednesday, at five o'clock, usual time. We'll have guests, we'll have talk, we'll have analysis, we'll have more uh, than that. I'm going to close out of the programme this evening with uh, this from from, uh, from George Michael. Um, the programme will repeat, of course, on the app for the show, the Richie Allen Show app. It'll repeat constantly. But if you've missed it and you want to download the podcast, you can get it at iTunes. If you are an Apple user, please listen via uh, iTunes. You can get it on Spotify, on Podomatic, and the programme is available on pretty much every podcast platform you can think of. It's everywhere. Until tomorrow, it's um, bye for me. Bye now.